0: The only thing that can stop mid-90s Chicago Bulls is their own general manager, Jerry Krause. This is Last Dance Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) I love the crowd noise. Welcome to Spoilers. Before we start... I'd like to introduce everyone to tonight's starting five. I assume we have Alan Parsons playing in the background right now. So, starting at point guard, he's the creator of spoilers. It's Pappy, Pappy Malcolm.
1: Hey, This is Pappy. Uh, we're coming from Louisville. Do you have any kind of like opening question for I me? I do.
0: And okay. and I. there's a little bit of an age gap between you and Stevie and the rest of us. But what are your memories of these bowls?
1: Yeah. I, I can start to remember them around the second three-peat. Uh My mom, Nurse Malcolm, uh, she, I remember her actually watching the Chicago Bulls, which I don't think she ever watched an NBA game again in her life after uh, <laughs> after their third title or their sixth title. But, but yeah, I, it's kind of hazy for me. It's more of just kind of like the impression of the Bulls, right? I was, I was born in the 90s, so this is like my first sports memories are just them being really good at basketball and Space Jam and all that. And it's all going to
0: go downhill f- for there for you, Pap. <laughs> it did. <laughs> Nothing's better than the Bulls. Stevie, you're Pappy's best friend and co-creator of Spoilers, and you usually take all the hard questions on the pod. Where are you recording out of, and what's your first memory of the Bulls?
2: I am recording out of Elkhart, Indiana, and I'm kind of in the same boat as Pappy. I am a month and, I believe, two days younger than Pap. And... I remember the 72 and 10 season being like the first real like my first real taste and memory of what the Bulls really were and I think the reason I'm so fond of the Bulls still is it's kind of like this mythos where like I know it existed it's just kind of like this legend like surrounding it so I think that's why reason why like half reason why I love it.
0: This is Josh recording out of Goshen I'm hosting tonight. One thing we kind of talked about earlier and I don't know if this can come across well throughout the pot or not but we all just like love basketball being from indiana kind of forced upon us uh we went to the same school as sean kemp actually he's quite a bit older than all of us but uh he lost to that greatest team ever that you're just talking about stevie so my memories of early Bulls is kind of thinking of michael jordan as a villain actually really yeah for sure uh but that's that's our start, three of our starting five, and we got two rookie newcomers joining us. Uh, Liz, she's a great friend. So glad you're joining us tonight. You work with me. We don't necessarily need to talk about where that is or anything, but <laughs> uh, we started working in college athletics together, and you have worked in athletics for a long time, and you grew up in Illinois. So I know this documentary struck home with you.
3: I. Would like to request to be referred to as the Dennis Rodman of this. Sorry, because I like to rebound. Um, Yeah, I have very... My first clear memories of the Bulls were probably in 1993. I distinctly remember not understanding why anyone would like Charles Barkley and that kind of shaped my fandom and loving the bulls. And then I was so young, my parents had to explain. I don't know how they explained it when <laughs> Michael retired the first time. Um, and Peoria did get a shout out last night, but we can get to that later. That uh, these, this later 97, 98 season, uh, I was 11 and it's just like primetime brainwashing years of gathering around every few nights to watch the starting lineups at the united center watch the games with my parents and just a lot of really close family time and loving basketball is really associated with this for me
0: well we're glad to invite you into our starting five and i don't know if alan parsons project is still playing it's kind of a short song maybe i had to repeat it play it again (laughs) i'm fine with that and last but not least um Zach, we went to school together at IU way back in the day. I came across an article you wrote today about the top things you wouldn't want to miss from the documentary so far. I really liked it. Um, do you want to plug that publication and just introduce yourself a little bit? Start. Oh, oh yeah, in your starting center.
4: Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to take the Bill Wennington, Luke Longley role on this podcast. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I grew up in Wilmette, 18 miles away from the United Center, um, and Jordan's career was basically my whole childhood. He played his first game two weeks before I was born, and by the time the season that's featured in this documentary happened, it was right when my bar mitzvah was happening, so my bar mitzvah's theme was the 97-98 Chicago Bulls. Uh, every table had a different player that we could sit at. Obviously, I was at the Jordan table.
0: Was the Scotty Pippen table like the real flaky family members? <laughs>
4: <laughs> see it kind of Pippins was like second-tier best friends you know he was higher up <laughs> Phil, Phil Jackson was like parents friends um, some, some the real oddballs from Hebrew school got the Dennis Rodman table so yeah. there was there was some thought given to it um, but yeah now I live in Austin Texas and I drive to San Antonio or Dallas to see the one Bulls game for the Texas trip Um But yeah, this was the peak of my Bulls fandom. I was wall-to-wall poster, everyday t-shirt, obsessed with the Bulls back when this documentary came out. So I stayed up. I actually turned in my article last night. As soon as it was over, I had to write 1,400 words in my top 10 moments of last night. So I was all in on it. I loved it.
0: Where can we find that article?
4: Oh, it's called Book and Film Globe.
0: Cool. Well, uh, go check that out. It's a cool article and cool website. Um, So... Kind of like the documentary, we're going to skip in time, back from 84, when Zach and I were born, all the way up to present. Zach, can you set the scene for where we are now, and kind of the release of this documentary, and the timing of it, and maybe why it's important?
4: Sure. I mean, the Bulls just let go of their front office, so the timing is funny that the, the first episode really, and second focused on what a failure the Bulls' front office was, and how they won despite them. Um, but right now, this is a Bulls fans' dream. All other sports are canceled. Everyone's hungry for content. We've all watched Tiger King, so now we get ten hours of nothing to watch but the greatest season, the like culmination of the Bulls' six championships. So even my like non sports watching friends are watching this. So this is this is everything we could have hoped for as Bulls fans to so relive the glory days with no nothing else to compete.
1: It was so nice to be on Twitter last night and to have it be dominated by something that wasn't scary or negative you know what i mean (laughs) everyone was tweeting about this at the same time and it felt good like a sports moment again
3: it i agree and at the same time i looked at my instagram feed and it was just like dead no one posting everyone watching no one no new photos just everyone was glued and it that felt nice too like we were just having this moment together
0: cool so getting into the actual doc It starts off on just like a really cool slider shot of MJ. I mean, he's just looking like straight up G thug, like he's still so cool, but
2: really what we're getting into here is like an assemble the crew moment. Jerry Krause comes into play pretty early and it seems like there's a large focus on, there's gonna be a large focus on him throughout the entire documentary. Um, Obviously you get MJ, obviously you get Phil, well, Rodman, Pippen, obviously, I mean, Kerr, I think yeah, they interviewed Charles Oakley a little bit, Horace Grant, um, can't remember if they interviewed Cartwright or not, but I remember, like, pretty much the entire team is there. Well, and just speaking of who they landed for this documentary, who are some of your favorite people? Because we had a wide array of cameos throughout this. I was shocked to see Isaiah Thomas like even speaking about this, weren't you? Same, yeah. <laughs> I was floored that he would even talk about it. I mean, there's no love lost between the two, and I think it goes to show you kind of like the legend and the greatness behind Jordan that someone who hates him so much would even talk about his greatness like that.
0: Well, Isaiah's not going to miss that chance for some FaceTime.
1: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I th- no. I thought they only played recordings of him in courtrooms nowadays. But
3: <laughs> I I
1: I don't know. I, I thought all the basketball people killed it. Like it was fun to see young Bob Costas in Chicago. I, I don't know like this isn't a political statement at all. Like I, I'm very pro these two presidents, but I don't know how much the I value add we get with those kind of like stunt celebrity talking heads. Did you like those, Josh? Like C- Bill Clinton right? and Obama.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it works to show a national perspective, and a big part of what they're trying to do here early on in the series is just convey how big the Bulls were. They're the Beatles of the 90s, I think. Um, Honestly, I can't really recall precisely what either president said specifically. I don't think it was, like, true gold nuggets, but... I was just hanging for, on every
4: know, word Obama yeah. said. He he was advertised with his title card exclusively as former Chicago resident, <laughs> which was, was hilarious. the yeah. funniest thing they could have possibly said about the pres- former eight-year president of the country, just former Chicago resident. Um, but he said he couldn't even afford tickets even when they were discounted and like stand up in the bleachers. Um, they introduced him as – it was like the opposite of a flex. It was like just a, a former Chicago resident who couldn't afford tickets. It was like, all right. You've clearly met Jordan and the whole team by now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I thought Roy Williams was really good, and it pains me to say that as North Carolina just crushed my hopes and dreams for a national title with kids who didn't go to class that Roy coached. <laughs> uh, hey now. But, hey now. <laughs> Yeah, all guns blazing. Uh, but I thought – he great, gave great bites. He gave great insight. He was super compelling, um, and it was fun <clears throat> to watch him reminisce like that, and like to see people again. Like to, and I know we're gonna get more from like Ahmad Rashad, and more media down the line.
0: Wilbon, mm-hmm.
3: Wilbon etc. But to see Billy Packer again, I thought that was fun. And coming down the line to to know that we're going to get Isaiah's perspective and hopefully some other people on that bad boys team, I would hope. Um, and just to see what they say is super. That's going to be awesome. Hmm. Jordan. Jordan. He's the best athlete. He's one of the best competitors. He's one of the most skilled players. And and that, to me, makes him the best basketball player that I've ever seen play.
0: It's Bobby Knight. Basically, he's calling out in 84, before MJ has even played an NBA game, that this is the best player I've ever seen play with my own two eyes. Zach, as a Hoosier yourself, did you appreciate seeing the, the Admiral? The General Bobby Knight, not the Admiral. I think that's like David Robinson or something, but it
2: is. Oh
4: yeah, it was real sweet to see uh, Larry and um, all the all the respect everyone gave Jordan from Magic and him to you know anyone they. Oh, Bobby Knight was just raving about it. That was that was that was really special. I've I've heard. I was surprised they didn't use this quote. Uh, He was trying to tell every coach and GM to draft Jordan. They're like, I need a center. I can't draft Jordan. He's like, then play him at center.
1: I thought from a filmmaking perspective, though, the documentary did a really good job of, like, balancing talking heads, which much from, like, what I was assuming is, like, archival footage from ESPN, like Michael Jordan's dad, who's since passed, and uh, Dean Smith, who's since passed, and, like, modern day talking heads, and... Josh, we'd be remiss, like, you kind of mentioned it, but, like, the way Jordan is framed, like, with his drink and, like, his red eagle, like, crash. was I the only one who's, like, obsessed with, like, the level of scotch as the interview went on and, like, <laughs> tracking to see, like...
3: Right?
0: <laughs> what I was texting Stevie about earlier today was... And I hate to say this, because it's... The I It's a sign of vanity on my part, but, like, yeah, my MJ's eyes are pretty yellow and weird.
3: Hmm. I noticed that too, and I was just like, "Okay." And then all of Twitter was posting that picture of him carrying a case of tequila and a bottle of scotch around. And I was like, "Well, sure, sure, okay." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that I think brings me to one of my biggest questions here is, in in at least these first two episodes, do you guys think Jordan's getting off a little light here? Like, he's the guy who's oh, he stumbles on a party but doesn't partake. He's living uh, like a virgin lifestyle in a one-room apartment in Chicago during his first couple seasons. I don't really think this is like the Jordan we all know to be the real Jordan or something.
3: I mean, I think it's coming. It, It would be really almost in poor taste to leave out how he went from not drinking assuming not smoking cigars and not gambling to all of those gambling things. <laughs> all of those things pulling up in fast cars stogie in the mouth there has to be an explainer there
2: yeah i mean he signed off on everything to nba films before the season ever kicked off um adam silver who was in charge of nba entertainment at that time who's now the commissioner is the one who's, I mean, is the reason behind all this footage to begin with. Uh, Michael Jordan said, there's not a question you can't ask me. There's nothing I won't sign off on before the season ever started. So I imagine there's a lot more footage that will be coming out shortly. I'm I'm hopeful,
4: too. I mean, if you watch the first two parts of the OJ documentary, you just think he was a nice... Running back, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> whoa, MJ is not that bad.
4: Rodman doing lines with cheerleaders up all night before game six kind of <laughs> stories. Pretty soon,
0: Zach, what were some of your most cringy moments in these first two episodes? My for starters, I would say the one where I think it's Charles Oakley is like literally slapping Pippin around, it's kind of hard to watch.
4: Yeah, that kind of teamwork that Jordan uh, inspired among the rest of his teammates, that's the kind of work environment that really doesn't fly in 2020. He would, he might have gotten canceled a few times. Uh, so, the, yeah, cancel culture might have come for those bulls if they had this kind of access and we, people paid attention that much now. I mean, but if, if, it's interesting. He got the most out of his teammates, even if that can't have been good for their morale and long-term self-respect.
3: Did anyone have an issue with their mixed feelings leaning mostly towards extreme dislike of jerry kraus but then watching them just totally <laughs> shit on him i can yeah. say that right Yo, I can oh, yeah. That. oh yeah oh <laughs> yeah um like that was that's really hard and okay. i also was concerned that probably half of twitter doesn't know that this man is no longer with us. Right. And it, it must've been a tough night for his family, assuming that they probably watched, but they, it was, it got kind of cringy to me thinking about that, but knowing that this man was just like an egomaniac.
1: It's just too bad that we won't get to hear a talking head from him nowadays though. Right. You know what I mean? I would have liked to hear like in retrospect, like how he looks back. I I don't know a lot about him post- like later in his life did he did he come to regret the decision to blow up the team was he did he ever admit that maybe he made a mistake I'm not a big bulls person
3: i don't know i there was just always so much disdain for him in chicago and then during that like derrick rose kind of j- joakim noah sort of trying to get the momentum back and what could have been with that playoff run. I don't think he was a part of that, but I would have to look. So.
4: I have a personal Jerry Krause story to weigh in with. Yes. Um, so my dad was a season ticket holder the year that Jordan broke his foot, and him and his buddies decided to not renew their tickets, which was ultimately not the right call. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but um, when he canceled, instead of having like the season ticket office call him, they had – prowse himself call and he was trying to talk my dad into renewing and he's like we got these good guys coming in jordan's gonna come back healthy uh we got brad sellers and my dad's is like why don't you tell him uh give the tickets to brad sellers family we don't need him <laughs> and then just a couple of years ago he, a few years ago before he died my dad ran into him again and he he told him about that conversation and he goes remember the elo shot who do you think passed him the ball? Brad
1: Sellers.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't know if Krause ever learned his lesson. I think he wanted to rebuild, but you know, they go into it in the documentary, like the Bulls haven't been back to a championship since then. You know, Jordan said it, it took the Cubs forty two years to rebuild. It took another twenty after he said that for them to make a World Series. So rebuilding when you have a championship team is never the right move. And as much as they dragged him, I wanted
0: more. I think he didn't realize he had lightning in a bottle, and that's not like the normal ebb and flow of NBA teams. Like, he had something truly special, and you got to hold on to that as long as you can. But I think that's a theme that they're going to keep coming back to and is ultimately going to kind of be the culmination. Like, were those decisions good or bad? But Zach, I got to say, that story makes me respect him a whole lot more because I think one thing the stock doesn't do is show maybe what he does on a day-to-day basis how hard of a worker how smart he may be he just kind of seems slimy and off in the corner trying to take credit I guess
4: yeah there's some humanity to him that really wasn't expressed in the doc so I do feel bad that he doesn't get to defend himself but I did hold a lot of negative feelings for him all this time so I I understand the mixed feelings that people have about it Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I mean the documentary sets the tone really quickly where they're introducing the five-time champion Chicago Bulls. And it's literally uh, Phil coming out to massive applause, and they introduce Jerry. Boo! And the, the boos <laughs> just rain upon down him. And, like, immediately the doc is saying, you're not supposed to like this man.
1: I would say, though, like, you mentioned cringy moments. kind of like the way that, like, Pippen and Jordan dog him. Like, I'm thinking, too, about, like, you know, talking about like lowering the, the rims so that can do layup lines. Like I, I think that a, a person with a reasonable bottom empathy would look at that and go, Oh, poor guy to some extent.
0: Yeah. I think that's kind of what Liz was hitting on earlier too. And like, can you imagine getting bullied by Michael Jordan in the nineties? <laughs> like, no, oh, what's like, the response God, to that? You have no recourse. I'm going to actually leave that big pause in because that's the actual, like there's no recourse. <laughs> there's no recourse. So trying to get through kind of the plot of this doc, uh, this was one of your top moments that you listed in your article, Zach, but the team kind of goes through France and this is truly like a Beatles coming to America moment, isn't it?
4: Yeah. But what was funny is that they all seemed so over it. It wasn't like they were in <laughs> awe and wanting to Jordan, could not have cared less. He'd played in a couple Olympics already. He'd won everything. This was a no competition for him. So he didn't even you know, really have to care very hard. He was ignoring interview questions about the Eiffel Tower, laughing, wearing a beret. And then the interviewer tried to get his autograph and he he couldn't even be bothered to look at the guy or answer him. <laughs> he just looked at his hand, and they're like, Is this guy effing kidding me right now like (laughs) so as much as like everywhere the Bulls went they were superstars and bigger than big but they didn't seem to care like Jordan after it ended he was singing a song like we can go home now it's over
0: (laughs) Pappy do you appreciate the old schoolness to him though where he's like yeah he doesn't care but when they did have those games in France he was just like stomping folk
1: oh yeah I love to see it too and the one French guy like Asked him for his armband after the game, and he's, like, disgusting, like, side-tosses it to him. Like, Jordan just doesn't give a shit about this little French basketball player at all. Like, yeah, I'll take my sweaty armband. Like, I probably still has that to this day, like, in his bedroom or something. Yeah, I mean, it's just fun to see. And I, I like that you keep bringing up the Beatles because, like, the – you know, the juxtaposition between like young Jordan that you get to see in, in North Carolina. I thought that was like a really touching part, like with his mom. Like when they read back that email, he's like, I have twenty bucks, uh, send stamps and all that to like what he becomes, like These first two episodes really set me up for, like, I'm ready to walk across that bridge. You know what I mean? I'm ready to see how it becomes yellow-eyed, scotch-drinking Jordan.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, my gosh. So the first episode ends with kind of a retelling of how crappy the Bulls were pre-Jordan. They deep dive on it. And then they end with basically the start of the first game of the season. And it starts with the introductory... Of like the team that just won the championship and the um they're gonna display the trophy and everything. But Stevie already talked a little bit about the booze that uh, Jerry got, but did you guys also notice how huge Pippin's suit was? He looked like Gregor Koglain in like full armor,
1: just I don't know, the suits. The in man the 90s. is massive. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like David Byrne and stop making sense. <laughs> <laughs>
0: kind of like two Scotties in there though. I
2: don't know yeah episode 2 uh, really took Scottie Pippen to the forefront of kind of I think they were trying to show the real like issues with the front they're having between the players and I think the one thing I appreciated was you know Jordan was kind of getting on Scottie for you know pretty much what happened was he wanted money from the front office that he felt he was owed he signed a really bad contract when he was younger, and he decided to get surgery immediately before the season started, so he wouldn't be like in the beginning games until January. And I think the one thing I really appreciated was when Phil Jackson was like, "Yeah, Scotty's doing Scotty. I'm not going to dog him for it."
1: And I don't, I kind of watched that more too, Josh. Like you brought up like potential, not necessarily conflict of interest, but how it's a It's very much okayed by the Jordan camp, this documentary, in a lot of ways. Like, there's kind of like this finality to it where, like, yeah, Scotty's like, I did that. And, like, you know, there's also a case being made that he was extremely underpaid. But then Jordan comes in and goes, that was selfish of Scotty. And then, like, that's kind of (laughs) that. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of like the final word on it. And that's kind of like how I see, like, the bias potentially coming in.
0: Well, even more, I think the first graphic. It's on the screen, the first text of the whole thing is like Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls gave a documentary crew access. And it's like, did Scottie Pippen not give them access? Did Luke Longley? You know what I mean? It's like again, Jordan's just kind of out here swinging his thing around like twenty-five years later. Zach I have a question for
1: oops, Zach, I have a question for you as a long time bulls fan did did you have a sense at the time when you were younger that scotty was underpaid or were you just taking it all in like was that the thing that was prevalent in your knowledge
4: yeah it was kind of common knowledge that he was like the hundred something highest paid player and was clearly like a top 15 player but um what's funny now is that he's known around chicago as no it's tippin pippin
2: notorious mm.
4: even though he eventually made over 100 million he is notorious for being a Awful cheapskate who never tips. But, uh, yeah. There was, there was always a chip on his shoulder. You know, he was always second fiddle to Michael. And he, he played that role well, but it was the lack of money, the lack of hype coming out of high school and college where... But he he, he played his way out of it. It was unbelievable. I mean, the best possible second fiddle you could have, so...
3: I thought that they obviously got into his family and how they were very poor and two people were in wheelchairs and he I don't know if I feel like they could have made a stronger case for him maybe not having financial savvy to take another look at contracts and I know that's why you also have an agent but the need to take care of his family and just kind of sign almost seemed like it outweighed really stopping to think what would be best for him and in in the long term. And it just made me sad that, I mean, I know he got paid later and his ex-wife, current wife, someone was on Twitter today being like, thank you for your concern, but we are fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, It's um, funny
0: that he goes from, like, maybe not as savvy at the beginning of his career signing a really long contract for, like, medium to low money and then at the end of this contract he's savvy enough to be like "Mm, i'm gonna cash in all my vacation at the start of this season and there's (laughs) nothing you can do about it
3: and there really wasn't (laughs) There's just such a finite amount of time on the table to get paid and then he signs a seven-year deal that is worth not so much Mm -hmm. it's so hard
1: And they really framed it sympathetically. Like you were mentioning Liz, like I feel like the documentary kind of made it feel like he didn't feel like he had a choice. You know what I mean? It's a cliche on ESPN, you know, bet on yourself, bet on yourself. But like he, you know, an injury at that time, I don't know like necessarily the mechanics of it, but I'm sure before the player empowerment era and all that, like if he gets injured, he might be going back to Arkansas with not enough to keep his family, 12 brothers and sisters, you know, set for life. It's it's tough.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say just in general with the structure of these, I was really glad to see Pippin be kind of the main focus of the second episode instead of everything being all Jordan all the time. But we do get back into Jordan stuff and whereas episode 1 covered his rookie year, we start getting into year 2 and We don't have to get really deep into the lore in every episode when we cover this series, but there were some really cool moments with him against the Celtics. I don't know if any guys want to talk about that. Some of my favorite parts, though. That
3: That was a big topic of discussion in my home as I have chosen to marry and stay married to a diehard Boston sports fan uh, (laughs) who... The only thing left he wants to do in Indiana is go to French Lick. I guess I'll take him there someday. <laughs> um, but he saw the footage of the old garden where he, his uncles had season tickets and they would take him when he was little. I was like, oh, look at that floor. So beautiful. Uh, but I found the Danny Ainge stuff just, like, ridiculous. And who is playing golf? with each other during that playoff time then when the nba is supposed to be like where there are no friends here but yet michael jordan's out there taking danny Ainge's money um
2: Ooh, vice versa
3: i guess I, I yeah that one time probably never <laughs> again though
2: Have you guys ever heard like michael jordan talk about like why he used to do that with players whether he'd take him like shopping or go golfing with them or lose like poker hands on purpose I forget the exact quote it was, but I think it was when he took Charles Barkley out. I think he bought him like $20,000 earrings a piece. They were diamond earrings. And, like, why would you do that? And he goes, That $20,000 today buys me eight points in the lane tomorrow.
3: <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> I think it just kind of shows his competitive spirit.
1: It's just such a different time, too. Like, I don't know, see him smoking a cigar or whatever. And it's like LeBron James sleeps in a hyperbaric chamber. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. <laughs> the, way the, the way they view their bodies as like assets is just so, so different. And, and I, I noticed, uh, this was pointed out to me by uh, the press a, a podcast called The Press Box, but that quote that Larry Bird has, like, God disguises MJ or whatever, that's something that he said in the past. Like, at, he said it at the time of that game, but then it's like represented in a way that makes it sound like he was just saying it off the top of his head, like, during this talking head. And, and I find that interesting, too. It's kind of like a summary, because a lot of this is, like, repackaged, you know, MJ lore to some extent, but but a lot of millennials are, like, you know, absorbing this for the first time, like, kind of like Stevie and I said. Yeah, honestly,
0: I love the MJ lore, Pat, but it might be some of the weakest stuff. I think where this really excels is, like, when they're in France and you see their blase attitude, or I don't know, just the gritty behind the scenes access stuff is what I love the most. <laughs>
2: There was a part in this episode where they were kind of showing the Bulls really struggling with Scottie Pippen not in there. And you can tell the team wasn't functioning correctly. Jordan was, I think he was getting on Coach uh, really badly at practice. Uh, he was just not taking losing well at all. And the one thing that really stuck out to me in this episode was Phil's like talking to his teammates, or uh, to his players, about how we're going to ride the ship, we're going to do this, that. And Jordan looks like a freaking lion waiting to, like, a starving lion waiting to eat something. Look at Phil. I thought he wanted to punch Phil Jackson in the face when he was talking, like, being really pepped up. That that part just stuck out to me in a big way. He's, like, chomping gum. Yeah! He, he turns glaring just at his eyes. Just looking so angry <laughs> And at then
0: Phil. his mouth, and then his yeah. eyes. It's, it's like, whoa. <laughs> Zach, you like Phil Jackson?
4: Oh, I love him. I think it's, you know, his Zen quality is what, it's hard to balance people like Dennis Rodman and Jordan, and then later Kobe and Shaq, and to get nine championships out of those guys, 11, I think, all together with Kobe's is unbelievable. I mean, it's, he would give each guy a book before each season, like that he specifically picked out for them of like what he wanted their mental state to be in before the season. Um, and he did so much by like really leaning back in his chair. And in a day where coaches are, you know, especially us Bobby Knight fans, where he's walking back and forth and yelling and going crazy, Phil would just sit back in his chair and let it all unfold. And had this attitude that really was uniquely special to men, like Ben with these other players and uh, let them feel like they were in control when he was actually in control of the whole thing.
1: I love when they show the shot of his desk uh, and he holds up like the the book or whatever that says the last dance on it the, the team handbook and like literally the only thing adorning his desk is like a little zen garden <laughs> uh sand thing. It's so that's just well, so And a Rodman accent. holiday card. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rodman card.
3: <laughs>
0: Those two things. <laughs> this is a major note I had though. Did you notice it said last dance dance in quotation marks and then a question mark? Yeah.
3: Mhm.
0: That made me kind of sad.
3: i just thought it was so like can you imagine a gm saying to a coach today you win 82 games and you're still fired like it's just absurd
0: it's
1: ludicrous
3: i I can't (laughs) i have my hands on my head right now
1: (laughs) (laughs) just like all the amount of power jerry cross has is so ridiculous and like the landscape of today's NBA. It's like nothing works like this anymore. Like LeBron James would be the one making the decisions as far as any of this. Like,
3: yeah.
2: LeBron would have that GM fired tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Is anyone worried that Reinsdorf is just going to like walk away looking a little better? Unscathed? Yeah. When that shouldn't really be the case. You empowered him.
0: Especially when. Like we are saying earlier, one of the two of them doesn't have the chance to speak on their own
2: behalf. Kind of makes it ugly.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, is he still uh, owner of the Bulls right now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially since kind of post-Eric Rose, the organization has kind of been driven into the ground. And... Zach, do you know, did um Jordan have any problems with Jerry Reinsdorf?
4: Definitely less problems than with Krauss, it seemed like, but I don't know if they had the best relationship either. If he did, you'd think he would have just said, Hey, get rid of Krauss and we're fine, you know, but
1: Yeah. I just think that's another point of bias too that you're just gonna see in this documentary is you're not gonna see anybody who's associated like still actively is essentially, you know, Adam Silver's boss more or less like come off in a bad way in this documentary. And, like, one of the other things, too, Josh, that I found kind of jarring about the presentation is, well, one, I had, like, a heck of a time trying to even watch it. Like, I don't have a cable subscription, and, like, I just couldn't, like, make the ESPN Plus work for me for some reason <laughs> to watch both these episodes. Um, but, like, I just... All of the media I intake nowadays uh, now, nowadays is, like, one, on Netflix, so, two, I'd be, like, watching all 10 episodes at once, but, two, it's also... There's this like content warning that comes up before it flashes TV MA, but the cuss words are still like bleeped out. You know what I mean? And I know that's like a little thing, and that might seem like a nitpick, but like when I'm when I'm dying to see something about Jordan that's like never been said before, or a new side of Jordan. Like I want to hear him say fuck. Like I want to hear those words come out of Michael Jordan's mouth unadultered.
3: Does that make sense? Well, it's not bleeped on the ESPN. Yeah. God. Yeah, I watched the <laughs> MA
2: version.
1: We're gonna have to yeah. bleep
3: that
0: for Nurse Malcolm, though. Oh, uh,
2: yeah. Sorry.
3: Yeah. Because, cause at one point he looked at whoever the coach was at the time and said, "Man, fuck those guys!" Like, <laughs> and to hear him say that, <laughs> I think this documentary <laughs> series might
0: need a couple twists, maybe along the way, Pap. That maybe in episode six, when there's a law, they're like, "But wait." this tidbit about Michael and everyone will be in a frenzy about it again or something like they got to save some
1: stuff, right? Oh, I'm sure they will. They know what they're doing. Uh, but I, I, heard also on an interview that the, uh, guy who directed it, I don't have his name, um, in front of me, but, but that he was still editing a few of the episodes, uh, because they moved it up in time to, to accommodate with like everyone locked in their houses. So it'll also be interesting to too, to see if there's any kind of discernible, quality difference or like pacing differences in the last couple episodes given that given that time crunch
3: that's why they just teased me with a pat riley bite, and then he's gonna reappear later and i don't understand how he looks so much better than john Paxson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> asking it's, the big questions
3: i just feel like one is significantly younger than the other, but one does live in Miami. So, hmm.
0: Zach, how how are you vibing on this huge MJ bias from someone who's lived the propaganda from a young age? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I mean, I think I grew up with that Sam Smith book, uh, "The Jordan Rules," knowing that there was uh, another side to MJ, and having watched his you know Hall of Fame induction speech where he didn 't thank anyone he just ripped apart everyone who he ever competed against and said he was the greatest and um, you know only at Kobe's memorial did he show this softer side of himself, uh, but yeah he 's always been known as to be this ruthless uh, win at all costs, throw your teammates under the bus guy It was that look that he gave one of his teammates when he, when no one would get open when Pippin was out. Huh. It was. It sent chills down your spine. It was like, God, I hope no one ever looks at me like that. Just the disappointment, <laughs> like that fatherly disappointment in, like, oh, <laughs> I like seeing you know the full picture of Jordan. I think we're going to get the darker side of him. He's said he he doesn't like. He's like, you're not going to like me after this. And he comes across pretty likable so far. So it's it's going to get worse. And the Rodman episode is up next. So I know it's it's going to get a little darker real fast. I think.
0: Not to go too deep on it, but one more note I had just on that subject and to your point earlier, Pap, is that like even thematically, I feel like they're weighing this to heavily favor Jordan. In this episode, too, if you look at it and break it down, they go back in time and tell the story of Jordan rushing back from his uh, broken bone and like toughing through it against all odds. And Zach, you talked about the – what were they? The death headache pills? <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, like, this is Jordan taking all these risks to come back just for the sake of his passion. And then juxtaposed against Scotty, who's wearing his big ass suit, thumping around, like, just being like, yeah, I deserve more. So, I feel like they really threw Pippin under the bus with that. That has to be purposeful.
2: I don't think that was the intent, I think it was to make Jerry Krause look bad. Like, I don't think as much to make Scotty look bad as more so of rushing back from injury and they have him on this minute crunch and the whole time everybody's like, Jerry, you know, wouldn't let him play more. Jerry wouldn't let him play more. And, you know, you have that game against the Pacers where, you know, he can be in the game, you know, for 30 extra seconds, but he hit his 14-minute limit and the Bulls end up winning anyway. And then they lock Jerry Krause out of the locker room afterwards. I think it was mainly to be like, You know, how can Jerry Krause keep the greatest player of all time off the court for his own ego?
0: I don't know. I think I have more respect for the director's savvy. I think there is kind of a, I don't know. I think you're right, but I do think there's a comparison there to be made. Um, We're left on kind of a cliffhanger. I mean, we all know what happens, but Scotty says, I had to do what was best for me and demands a trade. Those are the two episodes. Any final thoughts?
1: I ain't no joke I used to like Did anybody else immediately Watch the 88 playoff game uh, With the Boston Celtics right after They watched this documentary <laughs> I just like clicked it instantly Over and was like alright I'm ready to stay Stay in this time <laughs> Any I notes watched- from watching that game Pat uh, CBS Sports had a cool logo Back in the day I like that little intro song. <laughs> Thanks for the insight <laughs> I have a question for you
2: guys who are And lady that were older than me and Pappy were. Kind of when the hype of, you know, Michael Jordan and the 90s Bulls. Like, would this take away from kind of like any of like the nostalgia for the 90s Bulls or like how you feel about Michael Jordan and the Bulls once we get deeper into the episodes? If it makes Jordan look worse or any other Bulls like look worse?
3: I flat out, so I talked to my parents about it tonight because they watched it last night as well. And i asked them two things first was uh how much did you shield us me and my sister to like keep us like letting us have this hero worship and they were like not really because we didn't know that much that was going on like we knew that scotty wanted to be traded but
0: liz what do you think's the worst of the worst that MJ's done
3: it's got to be something with the gambling, like gambling, it, like a person. Do you
0: think he's ever killed a man?
3: <laughs> what? I, <laughs> person. Like, like gambling away a person? I don't feel like he could. He's. I mean, do I think he's capable of murder? Yeah. Oh. God. Well, maybe. I don't know. I just don't know that he could do anything or say anything that would like change. The joy in
1: my 11-year-old heart. Zach, do you know is there any truth? Did he actually? And maybe I'm sure the documentary will get to it. But is there any truth to like the rumors or like rampant speculation that part of the reason that he took that year and a half off or whatever was because of gambling issues and that came down from on high? Is that is that is there any basis in that at all? I've heard that
4: floated around a lot. I think there's a lot going on with his dad just dying and. Something in him felt like he wanted to play baseball to honor his dad. That was his story. There's probably a little truth in, in the gambling thing. I know he wanted to, it was just too much, like, you know, the media circus, around the clock stuff. So I would buy a bunch of different reasons for the full, for why he actually stepped away. But I, I think gambling might have been a part of it. As for, as for canceling, though, I mean, at the time, the most famous people in the world were him, Michael Jackson, Bill Cosby. So, Jesus. if the worst thing he did, if the worst thing he did was yell at teammates and be too competitive about winning, like I'm okay with that.
1: Very true.
0: then you've been on the most episodes of spoilers. Why don't you give us a yes or no rating for each app?
1: Okay, yeah, I'll just go uh, both yeses as well uh or yes for one and yes for two um i I, I think i was being and i hope it doesn't come across this way to the listener a little hyper sensitive to potential biases i think that's just like anytime i watch something produced by espn that always just sort of innately happens um I, i think it's a very good documentary kind of the story structure if like the kind of the way we jumped around in this pod I, I love how it's slowly walking through that last season but then it'll just all of a sudden like go down a rabbit hole and, and investigate something it's, it's really compelling um and, and I just want to say too it's hard to underscore we get a lot of plays you know like down the line like years later for podcasts and and depending on the time like you're listening to this it's hard to understate how hungry for content we are in this time. Like even like someone like me who almost enjoys like meta content. Like I like listening to podcasts about movies or or radio shows about sports. Like there's nothing even for those guys to talk about. So like I listened to like two podcasts about the first two episodes before we recorded tonight, just because (laughs) I was like so excited to like engage in pop culture again as a distraction. So for a lot of reasons, but especially the filmmaking uh, hard yeses so far.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one thing that goes untold here is that they really do pick out the best of the best shots. They let a lot of shots linger, so it looks really raw, and you really get into it. Um, I could go on about the documentary techniques they use. Um, A lot of good stuff with audio as well. Uh, I know that Liz really liked the soundtrack to this, and I agree. It was pretty amazing and took you back to the time and place. So... I don't know. I feel like I've said everything I've needed to say throughout the pod. So I'll give one and two, both yeses and yeah. Uh, Stevie.
2: Oh uh, yeah. I'll give both these episodes um, hard yeses. Uh, just kind of the legend behind these teams is just so much fun to watch. And also I appreciated the way this documentary hopped around every minute, every 10 seconds, because I'm severely ADD so that was welcome, not just to go to, you know, this is the year Michael Jordan was born. He was this, he was that, he was this. And, you know, we don't know he's even at the Bulls till episode four. So, definite hard yeses, and I'm looking forward to more episodes.
0: Liz, do you want to give your first spoilers ratings?
3: That would be two yeses from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yes, on the soundtrack, too. I haven't seen anything on Spotify yet.
0: Get in on that wave. Make the first one.
3: I know I probably should. I did listen to a lot of Notorious B.I.G. today because of that. So maybe I should do it.
0: So two yeses from Liz and Zach. Luke Longley holding it steady in the paint.
4: Definitely two yeses from me. The first one felt a little bit like where I'd seen the trailer to a movie a few too many times. was waiting for it to get going. There was a lot of background and setup. But once we got going, I was... Hook, Lion, and Sinker all in. I will watch this, re-watch this series a couple times, I'm sure. I can see myself watching it the night before the new ones come out. Uh, can't wait for it. Hard yes. Loved it.
0: Great. And as in spoiler tradition, I got a really super quick, easy trivia to close out the episode. Yes! We'll go in the same order. Um, oh,
1: no. <laughs> my bad. I guess my first
0: question, though, Zach and Liz, will you guys come back on the pod for some more of these episodes with us? <sighs>
3: sure. I'd be happy to
0: This is a great crew. I've had a lot of fun tonight. This has been like the fastest 50 minutes.
3: This was super fun. This is what we would have done per- for part of the normal work day anyway. So.
0: <laughs> we record at night. Let the record show.
3: <laughs> yes, this is nighttime. 10.47 <laughs> p.m. Monday. Eastern.
0: <laughs> okay, so here's the question. And... Pappy, go ahead and go first. I want you to tell me the difference in points between MJ and Scotty throughout their career.
1: What career? Okay. Uh, 2,400?
0: Okay. And you can go over, by the way. It's not like Price is Right rules. Hold on a second. Let me see. 2,400.
2: Okay, Stevie? Hmm. I think Scotty had a better second act than Jordan did. Uh, especially the Trailblazers. I'll say forty-seven hundred.
0: Liz,
3: I have no idea.
0: It's a good question,
3: isn't mm. it? I'm gonna go three thousand.
0: Zach, how are
4: you feeling here? I'll go forty-seven hundred one. Take the highest. Ooh.
0: Forty-seven.
2: Oh, good God. guess. Oh. That's a real Price's Right answer. You guys.
0: Zach wins. Y'all lowballed it. It was thirteen thousand three hundred fifty-two. Oh, <laughs> <Jeez>. Wow. <laughs> Whoops. So, Robin hey, indeed. <laughs> Honestly, I think I-, I couldn't find it when I tried to Google it on the internet. But I have heard Will Bond say. I've watched a lot of his shows throughout the day. Um, especially, pardon my take, but I know at one point he said that Scottie Pippen is the second best player of all time. So, it's hard to imagine him still having 13000 less than Jordan with a Sounds like he degree. made the right
1: amount of money to me, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway, Zach, we have a deep voice that tosses it, um, or that takes us away and does our plugs. And since you won trivia, I was hoping you'd toss to Spoiler Man.
4: Oh, so what, what do I do to set that up?
2: Take it away. <laughs>
4: Take it away, Spoiler Man. <laughs>
2: yes.
4: <Perfect>. Yes.
0: <laughs> spoiler Man here. Our email
4: is podcast at gmail.com. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. He's only 6'6, so how much can he really do?
3: We wish he were
4: 7'1, uh,
2: but he isn't. Michael got to realize that he's not seven foot, so he's not going to carry a team in the NBA.
0: I really don't think that uh, uh, in the NBA anymore, there's, there's really not any such thing as a one man team. And I don't think that you can come in expecting one guy to, to turn the whole thing around. There was no one alive, not Coach Smith, not Rod Thorn
4: drafted him. Uh, No one, none of the experts thought that he would become what he became.
3: That was spoilers.